Hey guys, welcome to the Inflated Podcast and this is going to be the first of a long series of podcasts that a bunch of us are going to release. Uh, it's just a bunch of us lads who love the game, football and kind of obsess over it. Uh, before we begin today's episode, a brief introduction of ourselves. Uh, I'm joined by Akhil. Uh, Hi guys. Yeah, Akhil, why don't you? Okay, uh, so my name is Akhil and I think I've been a football fan since around 2014 or 15 and if i'm being entirely honest i got into football only because i used to play a lot of fifa and i still do and i've been supporting united since then <laughs> surprise surprise well um my name is dhruv and i started watching football in 2011 2012 and for the same reason even i used to watch i used to sorry play a lot of fifa and it was around the time my dad told me about arsenal football club he's a huge fan and i kind of took after him and yeah so i've been supporting arsenal since then carrying the legacy yes sir <laughs> so uh today's episode we are going to cover the topic uh dark horses across the top 5 leagues uh we're going to talk about four teams in particular but uh we'd like to start off by probably touching on some of the other uh leagues um akhil what would you consider a dark horse because this season's proven to be quite yeah, interesting in that manner it's been a roller coaster this season definitely i think according to me i would say a dark horse is a team that you can say is achieving more than what we would expect them to you can an underdog of sorts uh yeah so in a certain sense uh we of course teams like ac milan um Bayer Leverkusen Wolfsburg also to a certain extent have been overperforming this season. Uh but in particular Manchester United. Uh how is it that it's it's an interesting case because people consider AC Milan a dark horse but not Manchester United. I think I think historically obviously both were big clubs AC Milan and Manchester United but I think Manchester United still has a big name in the football world. because i think you think it has they're still do you think it has something uh, to do with fighting for a champions league position do you and think it has something to do with maybe juventus's dominance in serie a as well yeah i mean that does definitely play a role and more than juventus's dominance dominance i think it's their decline has been greater than united's mm that's arguable actually uh, because i think some of the latter years of ac milan's i Sorry, the former years of AC Milan's uh, decline saw them still in the Champions League, just not achieving as much. And eventually, they dropped to the Europa League. If and... you talk to most people, they'd expect United to be a regular Champions League team. But I think in recent times, that's debatable about AC Milan, which puts um, them in a dark horse yeah, category this season. I suppose so, but like, I guess, I guess it has something to do with uh, United dominating, quote unquote, the best league in the world as well. I think in the mid. 2000s or yeah, 2000s um, absolutely the, yeah so the title race with, with the with premier Arsenal league being as competitive at it, as it is and i think with united obviously always being one of the top 5 top 6 top 4 teams which in year in year out i think it kind of classifies them as a big club of course i mean but ac milan as well have a record in the champions league seven times winners of course so i mean I think in the end it's down to the monopoly that Juventus have set in Serie A. The decline of Inter Milan as well as played a part in it. 
So I think it's fair to classify AC Milan as dark horses, but not say a Manchester, Manchester United yet. So given that, uh, I'd like to first touch up on some of the dark horses from the Bundesliga and um, League A, because uh, these are teams that are historically, again, like United, meant to be there. But two teams in particular have really stood out for me: Bayer Leverkusen. And Olympic Lyonnais. Yeah, I think uh, nobody ex- with the you know th- them losing their main player from last season, that being Havertz, you would expect them to decline. But it looks like it looks like they've actually been doing better. They've, they've, yeah, they've even found a new youngster in Florian Wirtz, who uh, yeah. so far I believe has a really good track record in the Bundesliga. Um, he's looking like quite a quite a prospect actually, mm-hmm. and. His stats this season speak for themselves. I mean, he has three goals and four assists so far in the Bundesliga. He's played 15 games. He has yeah. two goals in the Europa League and one in the Deutsche Pokal as well. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he seems like quite the real deal. Not forget, he's, he's 17. Yeah, he's our age. I mean, we're sitting here like armchair critics and he's out there banging in goals. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Uh, Leverkusen, I believe have an excellent academy as well and that's they've really got, contributed. I think they're, they've got a nice young squad, you know, it's nice to see. A really young core, yeah, players like Amiri and um, uh, Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey as well, yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's just a really, really well-balanced squad and you'd expect this team to maybe finish fifth but they've sort of overperformed. They're currently, I believe, third in, third the, in Bundesliga. the Bundesliga behind Leipzig and of course Bayern Munich. I so. don't think they're going to give Bayern too many problems. But I think they're going to give Leipzig a run for their money the way they're going right now. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think I think it's fair to classify Leverkusen as the dark horse of the Bundesliga. I think Bundesliga. Wolfsburg deserve a shout as well because uh, they finished I mean, they are last season right, and they're currently they're fourth. fourth right now yes. and they're on only goal difference up rates Leverkusen, Leverkusen and Wolfsburg. Yeah, so players like Wutwegost uh, and uh, I believe that that Newcastle, uh, ex Newcastle player, I forgot his name. Um, oh, yeah, speaking, yeah, I don't follow. I don't, I don't follow much, yeah, so. yeah. But there's another ex Newcastle uh, right back who's been making waves in the Bundesliga with uh, Wolfsburg as well. So I think they deserve a shout as well. Now moving on to Liga. Uh, Olympic Lyonnais. Uh, players like Memphis Depay, Hussein have been excellent. Yeah, yeah. Liga has been, I think, a lot more competitive than most people expected it to be. You know, even Monaco, even Le- uh, Lille, I think. Lille. Lille. <laughs> I'm not sure about these team names. Yeah, and even Monaco. Uh, I think Monaco as well, bringing uh, retention to Monaco. They finished barely in the top half last season. There's actually a title race in the Liga, which is... Yeah, they're giving PSG a run for their money. Of course, PSG have had a managerial change, and I think Mauricio Pochettino is still going to win Liga, obviously. I think but, with the squad he has on paper, it's yeah, it's still just a lot stronger than his competition in Liga. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I think yeah. So players, uh, sorry, teams like Monaco, uh, Lille finished third last season, so I wouldn't qualify them as a dark horse yet. But they have not been. So to speak, second this season, right? Yeah. 
they've not been exceptional that is in terms of league or history anyway they finished in champions league positions here and there around when on the time when maybe eden hazard or or pamiang was playing over there so they they've had their stints with like the europa league and the champions league but i think our uh, teams like lille monaco uh, and of course olympic lyonnais deserve a shout as well so they definitely deserve a shout because they have i think bridged the gap at least in the points table between themselves and psg so yeah that's true that's true anyway uh let's move on back to a league i think we're all familiar with the premier league of course uh yeah interesting case there the first team like in my opinion we should talk about is leicester and over the past two seasons just how good they've been under brendan rodgers oh uh, yeah you can see the the stark difference in uh performance from under a cloud powell and i mean the latter stages of ranieri's nerein as well so you can say that i think people might have expected this from their uh league title but i mean you'd expect them to finish at least top half but they've barely managed to under powell exactly over ranieri as well and like right after what surprises me the most is how consistently they're playing good like that's true that's true and yeah why don't you talk us through how leicester play and i'd like to know your thoughts about uh where they might finish so to speak under uh brendan rodgers i'll get to where they finish yeah. after i'm done yeah, talking yeah. about them uh so leicester usually play with a conventional back four and occasionally they play with a back three their usual formations include a 442 a 4321 a 433 and if they're playing with a back three they switch to a 343 or a 3412 So they like to play a possession game under Brendan Rodgers and that can be I think seen with the change in style of play from the pre-Brendan Rodgers to the current uh time. Uh and let's I think we can't not mention their midfield. Like they have I think a lot of depth in midfield with Madison and Didi Tillemans. I think the double uh, pivot of Didi and Tillemans is excellent. I don't like you yeah, could say absolutely. Indidi and Madison kind of steal the spotlight but Tillemans is just so tactically like he's, he's very, a very, very he's a very very technical player. Opinion. Yes, he's a very very technical player and I rate him a lot. So yeah and actually uh, sometimes even Tillemans and Madison they play as free eights for Leicester with Indidi being the sole uh, I think another player worth mentioning Dennis Pratt So Dennis Pratt he stepped in whenever say a Tillemans or in fact even an NDD was injured. So Dennis Pratt um and Tillemans would form a double pivot at times and I've seen that when they want to take the game to the opposition. Um uh, and yeah. you said uh, something about them trying to play a possession game. I can see why but I think against some of the other big boys they like to st- they they're pretty comfortable Yeah, well. against they do have normally a high press against I'd say like mid table and lower half teams but when they do face i think top tier teams like your liverpool yeah they're, they're comfortable City, sitting back they 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 can definitely hit them on the break that, i mean that is exactly what they did when they beat us uh, at, at home at the emirates so what happened was and they, when they sit back right they i think they usually go with like a 541 formation yes and bardi bardi sorry not bardi bardi being the, bardi came on later because he was injured i think i think they started hinacho that day and uh like they were just they were just constantly he was just constantly pressing our ball playing center backs and the i think their only shining light at least on an attacking sense was madison because even he come back like just about from injury and I prior a very 
Madison's a very debatable player. I think who yeah, consider I mean, him I'm, overrated. I, I would look, let's not lie. Last season he was massively overrated. Like he's a good player, but of course the English tags you you get overrated in the league. Yeah, you do get overrated, but I don't think that I think he still deserves credit for, for the way Leicester sure, are. For sure, you know I I had and, I mean I had, if you took him out of that Leicester squad, I think there would be big differences. Yeah, I had my doubts actually. I was wondering whether I was being far too harsh on Madison because I was under the impression he was overrated, and he's really really been pulling through this season. Uh, what was it? Six, Six goals, goals and two assists. Yes, yes, and it's been fairly balanced as well across all their midfielders. Everybody chipping in with a goal or two, and yeah, yeah. Tillemans has four goals and two. Barnes has six goals and two assists, and Madison's also got six goals. And two yeah, assists. So, so you can see that consistency. Yeah, so Harvey Barnes is another mention. I think he's also been excellent this season. Of course, Davy Vardy. He's been excellent, definitely. Yeah, so he's another. Like if I were a defender, he's also one more person I'd have to keep an eye on constantly. And he's for a player that young. He's he's got a really good set of feet. I mean, I've seen him belt one with his left foot against United to equalize, and mm-hmm. of course yeah, the right foot that. as well. You know, who oh, to equalize? So, yeah. Uh, if you were Brendan Rodgers, would you play? Harvey Barnes in the left, or would you play him as a central midfielder? Uh, see, I think he can function as both, but I think their midfield is very, very effective right now, and they've got really, really good depth. So, say an Indeedy gets injured, you have Chowdhury who can come in. Say a Madison yeah. gets injured, you have like a Dennis Pratt or a Mark Albright who can play that. So they've got really, really good depth. So I would stick, I would stick Barnes depth. to the left for sure. And of course, another I player think... worth mentioning, of course, is Wesley Fofana. Oh yeah, Fofana's been excellent this season. His, I think his top two performances, uh, the first one being the 2-0 win against Chelsea and the second was against us, of course. And like... Uh, Trying to be as unbiased as, as Yeah, of course. I mean, I have to... I'll come to that later as well because there's another He's game in particular. 56, like here's an interesting stat about Fofana. He's won uh, 56% of the tackles he's attempted. Hmm. I mean... So, and... In aerial and duels, one in one-on-ones, he's won fifty-seven percent. So you can see that he's won majority of the yeah, um, bad yeah, about majority. And you know that's good. If you you go at him twice, he's gonna he's gonna win the battle at least once. I mean that that is a good start coming from a defender. But of course, you have players like Van Bissaka who have a higher tackle percentage. But he's up there for sure. Yeah, he's. I think you can put him in the discussion. I think he's got a lot to prove still. Yeah, that's for sure. And he's coming straight from Saint Etienne, like like William Saliba did, and he's integrated into the first team quite smoothly, which I think deserves a lot of credit. Of course, Saliba had his yeah, itch. It's issue. never easy coming in, you know, to a, a new team and like make it into the first team. Yeah, that's 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 for sure. And, who, and what do you have to say about James Justin? James Justin. Oh, James Justin is just an absolute machine. I think he's quite I think underrated, he right? Quite un exactly. He's, he's quite, quite unnoticed. Yeah, and of course he's he's an FPL machine as well. I don't think many people know that. He's quite good. He's quite good. I'll add him this week to my team. <laughs> uh, would you pick him over Chilwell though? I think I would still pick Chilwell no matter how. Like I know Chilwell's very very overrated. I still find him very very overrated. But I would still pick Chilwell. Yeah, over I mean him. he's overrated, and I think uh, I'm not sure how many know this, but he's. Uh, he won in the 15-16 season, so he's yeah. He's got a Premier League part of a winning yeah. team, exactly. Yeah, so I would and pick even if he's overrated, team. he's still a good player. So agreed, agreed. I think yeah. I'd barely 
I'd like slightly edge with Chilwell over. But I think Justin. given how James, I think James Justin's work ethic and he's just he's just willing to run around and he really, yeah. he's a really hard worker and that's what I like about him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, another true. team that I would like to bring our attention to this season. Now there are quite a few teams that have performed really well this season. Of course, you have your Southamptons, you have your. Uh, Wolverhampton to a certain extent but they eventually fell off Not, they've been very very un- yeah. inconsistent but one team that you could say has sort of taken at least Wolves's place is of course Aston Villa oh yeah absolutely i think uh they deserve some spotlight for how good they've been this season uh i think why we would pick Aston Villa as dark horses above say a Southampton uh this season is just the stark contrast in form and fortune how they were last season yeah and southampton i think badly finished i think top half or bottom half last season if i'm not wrong and yeah i mean look southampton also from that 9-0 defeat they have really picked up come a long way so you could sort of expect this performance i think they definitely deserve a shout but i think the greatest contrast has to go has to, to go to aston villa so they're currently ninth in the league the the record so far is 9 wins uh five draws sorry uh wait hold on their current record yeah nine wins two draws and six losses now to put this with two games in with hand two games in hand yes and to put this into context this time uh, at this stage last season they were 16th on 25 points so they've already uh, overdone they've already outworked their um Oh, uh, they've they points got two points, points more, points more with less than right. half the games they've played. Yeah, and they were on negative goal difference. That's minus fourteen. And this season, right now, at this stage, their goal difference is plus plus thirteen. They've scored thirty-one yeah, goals and they've conceded only eighteen. That's a difference. So I think this shows goals. that they've tidied up the back. They've re- they really, thing. really have. And I'd like to bring up my attention to the reasons why this has happened. So, Emi Martinez, Matty Cash, and there's this really young defender uh, that I honestly think defends very, very maturely for given how young he is. Esri Kansa. Um, yeah. You've seen uh, the so the rise rather of Matty Target as well, and he's been excellent. Uh, so they've really, really tied it up at the back. I think they were in a sense unlucky against Manchester City given that call, but I still think it is the right call by the. Uh, by the rules, but again, that's up, I mean, for, that's up look, for debate. You, that's a different yeah, discussion that, altogether. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, they've uh-huh. Aston Villa so far have won more points on the road than at home, and some of the notable wins, at least on the road, of course, the the three 0 against, against Arsenal, Arsenal and the seven two against Liverpool. That one was at home. Oh, that was at yeah. home. My bad. And the one nil at Leicester, the the draw at Chelsea have been some of the standout results. Of course, I yeah, think coming to the giving two, big clubs are on for their money true, without a doubt. They're 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 proving quite a quite the deal to play against. And, and coming let's to the, talk about their midfield. You know, the, Ross Barkley, then uh, John McGinn, obviously Jack Grealish. Oh, uh, I think another underrated double pivot in the league is McGinn and Douglas Luiz, and Nakamba coming in and filling in sometimes is another excellent option to have. I think. John McGinn in particular is one of the most underrated Premier League underrated player. players exactly. He has an excellent work ethic. He's got a, he's got quite the left foot by the way. He 
he had a pop from almost near the half line against chelsea and it narrowly grazed the bar and of course yeah. he had a goal that was discounted against us disallowed against us on on, on grounds of encroachment if i'm not wrong um and where the ball was just bouncing awkwardly he, he hit it on the half volley as sweetly as possible gave, giving leno no chance but it was discounted in the end and and he's got he's generally may, he makes these very late runs and proves to be quite a problem for defenses and of course players yeah. like you have players like grealish and of course barkley who's really turned turned up I this season grealish and barkley have been like They've been quite season. good, yeah. And the, you have players like these who can pick out, say, a Watkins or the late run of a McGinn, and it's proven Even to be quite. Even Traore has been pretty good. Yeah, Burton Traore is definitely earned a starting. Oh, what is it? He's already two. scored, I believe, four goals this season. Fours and four goals and two assists. Two assists. For Traore. Yeah. So I, I would. English got five goals and eight assists. I think he's the standout for Aston Villa. Oh, uh, I think. Uh, Tell yeah, me about Greedish. Yeah, Greedish. I mean. he predominantly sticks to the left wing gives the fullbacks quite a few problems and of course he's he knows exactly when to go down and slow uh, slow down the play and he's his passing's excellent he can really pick out uh runs either on the overlap by say a matty target who's been excellent at that yeah. or john mcginn into the box uh i think his yeah. link up play he's, with bark his link up play's been excellent his uh crossing and passing have been excellent and of course he's and, he's chipped in with a few goals as well i mean eight assists five goals and i'd like to yeah. actually bring my attention to the one player who can probably give jack grealish a run for his money as the best player in the aston villa side and that's emiliano martinez uh of course he was if you watched him in the fa cup final against chelsea uh barring that that one potential mistake where he where he could have handled the ball outside the penalty area he was absolutely solid that game he he's a very commanding goalkeeper he can pull a save when he needs to and yeah. most of all he's 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 very very good when catching a cross he lets the defenders know if he wants to catch would you cross. consider him to be like the leader of the back in the defense oh yes definitely uh, he's a general at the back really and he's i think as the lot very i think he's a very demanding goalkeeper a very demanding goalkeeper know. very vocal and of course has tons of ability and i think villa yeah, getting I... them for 20 billion another arsenal masterclass in terms of business who has mm-hmm. been an absolute steal i think yeah that's it's de- uh, can you bring him up as one of the signings of the season absolutely absolutely uh and yeah, I, i'd like I to actually the discussion before that's a different discussion on, before we move on i'd like to actually touch on the 7-2 win to liverpool Oh uh, I think the look the scoreline isn't fair to Liverpool. That is true that is opinion. true. I mean it's not fair to uh, Liverpool at all because But look uh, credit goes credit again, of course credit goes to Villa. I think their standout performance this season was of course the win at the Emirates 3-0 because Arsenal I think a lot of it went to Arsenal actually being a bad team because they looked it was the first time I ever saw my team this disorganized this clueless on the ball we couldn't string a single pass together look they didn't they couldn't create enough chances yeah, yeah they were just and yeah they were rather sloppy they were sloppy the with credit to villa i mean emiliano martinez have, were on the same side like the opposite villa were excellent absolutely so uh, what i i'm going to touch on some of their formations and tactics now they they now dean smith's philosophy is one of tenacity they press and they win back possession and they do they they have a lot of bite in them they're excellent on the counter they average about 49% possession in the league 
and the they're on paper they are a 4231 uh that is on the front foot a double pivot uh, and they transition into say a 451 or a 4411 uh, on the back foot yeah, against some of the bigger teams and you can expect them to do that against the yeah and you can, I, hold back and break it's been proven to be very very effective so far uh, a lot of it goes a lot of it comes down to of course greelish uh, breaking out down that left I think a lot of uh, credit also goes to uh, Magin also carrying the ball, maybe Mings and Konsa, yeah. uh, their distribution. Matty Cash, Matty Cash is another excellent signing in my opinion, and of course Martinez's distribution is on point. So it's yeah. Dean Smith's finally found a way to make what has been make a system. Work. Yeah, what has been a quite expensive squad to ex- assemble as well. I think. Uh, He spent about a hundred million in total, or something. I mean, there. it was an expensive squad, but I think uh, most of the signings have been serious. All of them, so yeah, all of them have been very, system. very good value, and I think credit goes to Dean Smith at least in that department. And if, I th- of course, Dean Smith's not the most tactically adept manager in the league, but, he, but his man management and he knows exactly how to take a game to the opponent, and that his... deserves credit. Yeah, I think a hundred percent. I agree with that, and I have one more question on Grealish. Would you keep him as a top three or a top five midfielder in the Premier League? Top five. Top five. Mm, interesting. Uh, I would say I still rate um, Kevin De Bruyne, Bruno Fernandez above Jack Grealish. I still rate uh, Thomas Partey above Jack Grealish. Mm, okay, that's think, an interesting one. Yeah, and I think I think Grealish comes in right after Partey. I know Partey has had his injury troubles, but we we mustn't forget there are players like. Hoiberg, Dombele, and I mean, yeah, of course, yeah, I don't the think Premier Mad- League midfielders are absolutely stacked. Yeah, and, yeah. and of course, Madison himself is making a name of, or is making Quite a name, name for himself. himself. And players like Tielemans, Indidi, um, I mean, who else? And you, you had quite, you have quite a few midfielders this season exactly. who, who really, really turned up. So I think top five is fair to Grealish as well as some of the other midfielders. Of course, I am. Only, I think biased. I personally would put him as a top three, only because last Aston Villa are still in the Premier League, and I think a lot of credit goes. A lot of credit also. To Jack uh, yeah, it goes to Jack Grealish, and a lot of credit also goes to that shitty call at Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, VAR yeah, was VAR working, was against, working Sheffield. against Sheffield United, and it had a domino effect for both teams. Villa. I mean, yeah, it's worked out well for both yeah, Grealish as well as. Uh, 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 Villa in general. Yeah, Villa and Grealish, yes, but Sheffield United have been woeful after that, so it, it had a bit of a yeah. domino effect. Yeah. So, yeah um, also, uh, before we move away from the Premier League, uh, predictions for uh, our dark horses this season. Let's let's first focus on Leicester. Leicester are going to finish fifth, and Villa are going to finish eighth. Mm-hmm. That's I think I'm going to do you one better and say Leicester are going to actually finish fourth. I think I'm going to back them to actually finish in a. Champions I think if we were in this, uh, I think in this time last last season, I would have definitely put, uh, you know, Leicester to qualify for the Champions League. But then we all know how they yeah slipped. they slipped up, they slipped up. But a That's lot of it had to reason. do with the COVID lockdown as well, in my opinion. And I think it's going to be interesting this time around. Uh, of course, Brendan Rodgers is not he's not he's no stranger to the bottle, but. Uh, I he's, think. I mean, I think Brendan Rodgers does deserve a lot of credit. He's made Leicester an excellent team, a team that's looking to compete. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I actually think Leicester will be consistent enough this time around to finish in the top uh, four spots, and I'm going to back them to finish fourth this season. 
um i mean the only reason i'm putting them fifth is not actually because of a slip up happening with let's i mean it definitely might but i do think like some of the other teams you'd expect like the spurs or even chelsea to some extent with the new manager in Thomas Tuchel, yeah. Ah, uh, I think that's fair actually. But so far, from what I've seen, I think Leicester definitely capable of finishing fourth. So I'm going to go with that. And I'm actually going to back, I'm going to back uh, Villa to finish seventh this time around. So you could say Villa and Wolves. Just... For Villa, look, I think uh, making a run for a Champions League spot is still a bit of a stretch. But they can definitely. I would for the Villa fans. It's yeah, yeah. They can take a top half finish any day. Exactly, it's a bright future for the Villa Absolutely. fans, and I'd be excited. Absolutely. Now, uh, there's another team that's making waves in world football right now, and it's it's bit a bit of a resurgence. It's a team we touched on earlier a bit, AC Milan. How can we not talk about them? Of course, the, I would have been a Rossoneri if not for an Arsenal fan. So it's good to see one of my teams doing well right now, right? That's that's good to hear. <laughs> so I mean, okay, let's look at some of their stats this season. They have the fourth best defensive record and the third best scoring record, and they've passed their expected goals. And they're the, they have the second highest xG with only Roma having a higher one. That's interesting. I expected Atlanta too. No, that's 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 a bit of a shock. Atlanta are right now the top goal scorers, but <laughs> yeah, Roma have the highest uh, xG. And I think one I think... player that deserves credit from that Roma squad is Henrik Mkhitaryan. Eight goals, eight assists yeah, this absolutely. season, and not a single word. He looks like a completely different player from what we saw in yeah, both the United or in Arsenal. Yeah, so I mean, I'm happy for him because at least now he's starting to rediscover some of his lost form. Uh, but yeah, I, he true. remains very, very underrated this season, in my opinion. Yeah, I think yeah, he does deserve credit for how well Roma have been this season. Of course, yesterday but Inter Milan knocked out AC Milan uh, out of the Coppa. Hell of a game yeah. it was. I think with a, a two-one victory. And for the, Inter. the last person you'd expect to score the winner for Inter Milan, Christian Eriksen, free kick in, in the ninety-seventh minute. Quite a fantastic game. And teammates yeah. Lukaku, ex-teammates Lukaku and Zlatan going at it. We love to see it. And that no, obviously getting the red card, which yeah, that, that proved to change the game. And yeah, I think that just shows you how crucial Ibrahimovic is to this Milan attack. Yeah, and what do you, how do you think it, the signing of uh, Mario Mandzukic is is going to affect uh, the team? Um, look, I don't if uh, I don't think he's going to be a regular starter. He's going to add squad depth without a doubt, and he's going to definitely give Ibrahimovic a run for his. You know, I mean, see, Mandzukic is younger. He's 34. Um, he was, well, he has been at uh, winning teams before. Of course, Juventus. Uh, yeah, Bayern I mean, Rimic. definitely, he's yeah. been he's been in winning teams without a doubt. He's he knows how to win games. But I think with the form uh, Ibrahimovic is in right now, like, don't get me wrong, I do think he's gonna start, definitely get starts. But I do think Ibrahimovic is still their first choice number nine. Yeah, I think that's fair given what Ibrahimovic has been doing so far. And yeah, AC Milan as well have won quite a few penalties this season. And a lot of it, I think, goes down to the work of uh, Hakan Chalanoglu and, of course, Theo Hernandez, I think, who's been how, one of the best. Yeah, I, I want to get into Theo Hernandez. How how would you rate him? Like, I think he's one of the best left-backs in the world right now. He's been he's unbelievable. Been unbelievable. He's, he's an absolute tank down that left. Um... I've seen some people saying his decision-making is questionable and I think that's fair given how young he is. 
but he's just yeah. he's just so he's got so much he's just so raw he's got so much talent he's got he's, so much talent and he's got potential. so and he's so young he's already the better hernandez brother in my opinion yeah yeah so and what about uh, let's get into chelanoglu as well uh, he's obviously like their version of a creative midfielder and he's i think he's proven that he's got some some passing range and Vision. He's got an excellent right foot actually. I don't know if you know, but he scored quite a few belters for Hamburg and uh, Leverkusen and there was a season in which he scored I think 6 plus free kicks in the Bundesliga and and I think his game sense as well is just brilliant. I just want to touch on one stat. Uh so Milan have been playing in a 4-2-3-1 like consistently and they've stuck to that formation irrespective of the opponents. They they play with a double pivot with Cassie and Benasser. Uh, Usually. Oh, Ismail Benasser is just fantastic, dude. Another, of course, a Hayland product. Yeah, wait. Let me get to this. Yeah. When Ch- sometimes what they do is Chalanoglu comes back as the third defender when they are oh interesting getting pressed. But even when he plays in that like a pivot position, he still has more progressive passes than either of the pivots. That that's oh he's he's gone on to be quite underrated. Uh, exactly. He's I think. he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves so what he's been doing he's such a dynamic player i think i think you could you could you compare this to say a paul pogba because this sounds like something pogba would do maybe not drop back as the second defender but sit back as maybe another dm to help mctominay at times because of course we know paul pogba started out as a dm at juventus so yeah i think uh, paul pogba he's look i want to praise him for his current I can understand why you're a bit salty about it. Yeah, Mino Raiola. I think I honestly think his uh, this thing, uh, defensive work rate is poor. He's just lazy in the back. In my opinion, he loses the ball often. But uh, I think his progressive passes can definitely be compared to Chalanoglu's. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's makes... fair actually. But because he did start out as a DM at Juventus, he wasn't of course the most prolific. At a certain point, he was actually. deemed one of the best Solid. in Serie A in terms of defensive exactly. field actions. Uh, I think if you look at it's the inconsistency which would bother most United fans. But hey, he's in form right now. So look, right now I have no complaints. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh another dark horse this at least in the Serie A this season has of course been Roma. They've been really really good, but I wouldn't say they're a dark horse. Either. What about Atlanta? With Atlanta? obviously they've been good, but they just sold Papu Gomez to Sevilla. Yeah, it's been confirmed. It's going to be interesting how Gasparini is going to deal with that. Of course, he fell out with Gomez yeah. and it didn't seem to affect Atlanta too much because they played a few games without him as well. So, okay, uh this I think it's a very interesting uh, title race. in Serie A this time with Juventus who you'd expect to be the favorites. They I think they I believe are fourth right now and Atalanta at fifth. So uh, I want to ask you where do you think AC Milan's going to finish and where do you think the other rest of the Serie A is going to I think I think it's going to be Inter Milan against Juventus in the closing stages uh, for the title for the Scudetto and I think Milan will comfortably finish third. I think I'm going to do you one better in this. I think I'm going to say AC Milan with second place finish and Juventus actually going on to win it and Inter coming third. Mm, that's you know that's actually not uh implausible so to speak. I think I have to favor Juventus. I just can't yeah, I mean, given, them given in the Serie monopoly in Serie A, I we would all love to see AC Milan win the Scudetto. Uh, exactly. I think I think that's what it's just one of those teams. No matter which team you support, you have to definitely been 
it's definitely been a much like more competitive Serie A this season. Absolutely, and and you can see that in general about the top five leagues actually. And yeah, I think apart from I'd say even apart from I think La Liga and the Bundesliga, there's been a tight there's there's a title race in every single league. I actually think Bundesliga is far more underrated than you think this season at least because there was I mean yeah I mean there's no title and... race but the gap between what you'd consider mid-table teams or just you know uh, Champions League teams have definitely closed the gap with Bayern. Absolutely, I think that's true. And speaking of La Liga, I think. Uh, a worthy candidate for a dark horse this season was, of course, Sociedad. But they've, they've fallen off of late. Of course, they Mikel Oyarzabal was out of this world. Not going to lie, we, during the Europa League draw, when United got drawn with Sociedad, I was a little worried. But I think I can I still think Sociedad now. will give United a run for their money. But of course, United, yeah, will, United will come out on top, in my opinion. But yeah. But what about Atletico Madrid? Oh, where can we begin with Atletico Madrid? The, the anti-football I mean, shit. Tell me this, with the likes of a Real Madrid, you, when you have your Real Madrids and your Barcelonas, how often would you predict Atletico to be 10 points or 7 points clear at the top? I wouldn't predict Atletico to be 10 points clear or 7 points clear at the top at all. I would I would give them a 2.3 two point lead, maybe a 2.3 point lead to eventually win them a title once every 5 years perhaps. Otherwise, it's always going to be. I honestly wouldn't. I wouldn't have even in the start of the season. I would never have predicted Atletico to win. Absolutely. I thought. Actually, no. Actually, this season, I did kind of. I wouldn't say expect, but I did kind of back uh, Atletico to at least give the, um, put like traditional title winners around for their money because Real Madrid and uh, Barcelona this season have been well under under par. Underperforming. They've they've, they've been yeah. pretty bad. And I mean, Atletico, as much as it's Real and Barca underperforming, I think Atletico have also been brilliant. Credit goes Absolutely. to Absolutely. I mean, Luis Suarez, he's the top scorer of the La Liga. Yeah, with 12 goals. Tied up with another very underrated player, Yusuf El Nazari of Sevilla. Yeah, and exactly. And they've also got, I think, in my opinion, the best keeper in the world in Oblak. Of course. Uh, some of their standout performers this season, um, before I get to their record in the league, have been, of course, Suarez. Uh, like Thomas Lamar, in comparison, has actually stepped up. Yannick He's Carrasco, been better than last season, yeah. without a doubt. Yannick Carrasco, I think, scored the winner against Barcelona, if I'm not wrong. And Trippier and Felix, of course, chipping in whenever and needed. I think, yeah, La Liga have pulled off, uh, in La Liga, Atletico have pulled off a lot of upsets also. You know, I think they did beat Some Barcelona. of their notable results this season have been, of course, the 1-0 uh, win against Barcelona, the 2-0 against Sevilla and the 3-1, which was day before yesterday, against Valencia. The yeah. record so far in the league: fifteen wins, two draws, and one loss. Their only loss That's coming amazing. in the Madrid derby uh, to Real Madrid. Uh, yeah. Twenty-eight out of a possible thirty-one points at home, and they remain unbeaten there. And the only loss the, exactly to the, Real Madrid. The Metropolitano has like become a fortress for them. Uh, they're, they're, they've outdone their XG by quite a bit. It's twenty-four point four. Their expected goals, and they've already scored thirty-six, which is two per game. And yeah, so you could so it revolves around this anti-football kind of you know there's that approach there's that general sense about them but they've got goals in them. 
they've get they've been getting goals they've been you know they've, they've really activated they've been brilliant yeah they've really really activated luis suarez and joao felix and what about felix, felix? i want to get to felix i think felix this season um he's actually six goals and four assists in 17 yeah i mean it's it's not bad it's not bad for an 18 year old but it's it's quite it, it's of course underwhelming for a 100 plus million signing but i wouldn't put too much pressure on the kid he's he's been doing great so far And, and he's been an excellent talent so to put a little context going, to the current season they at the stage last season they were third with 35 points no games in hand and a goal difference of plus 8 now they're first now they have 47 they're 12 points ahead and they have one game in hand and they have a goal they have yeah they have one game in hand they they they're seven points ahead at the top of the table clear of real madrid who are second and uh They have a goal difference of plus twenty-eight, so they've scored twenty more goals at this stage of the season. And they after and they they, it's been it's been kind of rocky for them as well because after a disappointing end to their Copa del Rey comp, uh, campaign, they bounce back with very impressive wins against Sevilla and Valencia, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been. Yeah, I need to ask you one more question on Atletico. Yeah. Would you back them to be a UCL favorites? A Champions League. Ah, uh, this favorites? is an interesting topic because I would definitely back them to be UCL. Contenders, but I still think the favorites are PSG. I don't, I don't, I don't consider them as favorites. Where do you see Atletico getting knocked? I think out they're gonna na- again. I think they're gonna get knocked out in the semi-finals. I think they're gonna breeze past Chelsea and they're gonna get knocked out in the semi-finals. Yeah, because that's, that's I think that even I predicting them. They've to got make this it to the very, semis. very, very pragmatic approach. They experiment a lot. So they've gone. Yeah, so against some of the bigger teams, they've gone with a five-three-two. I mean, it's worked. It's definitely worked out sometimes, but it's also it can definitely backfire on them. Yeah, that's also true. They, I mean, we saw how well they played against Liverpool and in the previous year, and then getting knocked out against Nagelsmann's Leipzig, who completely shut them down. Yeah, I think uh, to counter that high press kind of tactic, they've gone with a five-three-two and a three-five-two against some of the bigger teams. and when they like to take the game to the opposition so they so they did this against valencia and sevilla they went to the 3142 and a 3421 uh at times so they experiment quite a lot but it revolves around a three man uh, core backline so players yeah. like savic um and uh, korea and they've they've all really really stepped up as well so koke of course uh, they've all stepped up as well And I think Simeone also deserves quite a bit of credit for what he's doing. Yeah, Simeone. Yeah, he's, he's taken advantage of Barcelona and Real Madrid's current woes. I think. Yeah. I think the year before last year, like I think two seasons ago, he had. He basically had to make a rebuild for Atletico Madrid. Yeah, they even you know, lost they Thomas Partey this season, and they're doing really, really well. Yeah, this season they lost Partey, but they they had lost a lot of their core players, you know. Yeah. And I think he's done an excellent job in rebuilding this team and. forming an identity that's true i mean i i they see this identity doesn't really bode well some fans because of course there's that anti football kind of thing that's been related yeah. to them but hey it's pulled off it's worked out for them and if you were an atletico fan right now you wouldn't care about having an identity it's kind of like tottenham right now they'll look I'm, if i'm 10 if i'm 7 points clear at the top by really yeah it's it's a lot like you know tottenham situation right now so Yeah, I think Tottenham situation could be a whole different. Episode. <laughs> yeah, I think we could we could probably do that another day. And yeah, yeah so so uh, if you had to rank these dark horses which we've talked about today, uh, where would you rank each of them? 
like compared to each other okay so i would go with atletico madrid first followed closely by leicester third bayer leverkusen fourth ac milan um i think notable shout would be uh, sociedad but i don't really get Where the would you put villa would, dead last i wouldn't put milan dead last like i think they're fourth best right now i think no no not milan villa, villa sorry villa i would put last yeah i think they they probably i mean fair. i think that is fair but I, that's uh, like look the gap between second last and last is still like very small i mean i wouldn't blame anyone if they exchanged I say like an AC Milan. I think it's I think yeah. it's fair to exchange like AC Milan and Leicester's positions at second and third respectively maybe but uh, obviously this season Leverkusen have been just excellent as well they've been a really good watch so I think Leverkusen yes, I mean I think the only easy one to predict in this top 5 I would say was yeah, Atletico at the top apart from that it's it's every really team has and... strengths and its weaknesses exactly. so I think we can let the the listeners yeah, decide yeah, yeah. that for themselves anyway uh, yeah so i think i think it's going yeah, to be proven we've touched on most of the topics we wanted to it's, today yeah it's been pro- it's proven to be quite the season for uh, yeah oh, absolutely the domestic it's cup been, upsets it, league surprises dark horses i think it's going to be a fun think, season this one yeah i can't wait to see how wrong our predictions are <laughs> yeah of course i think we've we've gone ahead and jinxed it already and every single team will well, only time will tell only time will tell uh and so i hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us and if you do please obviously like it and share it with your friends it would mean a lot because obviously we're a growing channel and i think you guys can look forward to a lot of future episodes from i think a bunch of us it's not going to be just the two of us and i hope you enjoy and until next time until guys. next time then see you guys